Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Each week we interview our guests on how cancer has affected them and get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens during and after a cancer diagnosis. Hosted by me, Madison Pollack. And me, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Simran Jatar, a pediatric cancer survivor and first year med student at Georgetown. She was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma at eight years old and has been in remission for 14 years. We are so excited to share her story. Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Today we have Simran on. Hello, Simran. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you and hear more about your story. Um, I truly know really nothing, so I'm so excited. Um, so Paige and Simran, how'd you, I know you told me earlier, but how'd you two get connected? I like starting with that. Um, we randomly got connected by the most random mutual friends that you could think, but it worked out to be this wonderful thing. And now I'm here. Uh, we have never met in person, but just via talking on the phone and now this podcast. So that's such a COVID way to meet. I know, right? It really is. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, we, we both went to UT, just didn't know each other there, have a lot of mutual friends and then we're just connected by someone out of the least, like the least. (laughs) The least person we thought we would get connected by, we got connected yeah. by. Yeah. Not from UT, but like you said, someone it right. worked out how it was supposed yeah. to. So we're glad to have you on. Could you tell us, just because we have um, a very hard time enunciating exactly um, <laughs> your diagnosis and you say it so much better than we could ever uh, get to say it. Um, so yeah, really? tell us a little bit about what what your diagnosis was and a little bit about your journey and background. Yeah. So um, when I was eight years old, so back in 2005, I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma um, in my right calcaneus bone, which is your right heel bone, uh, which is a very rare thing to have. Ewing sarcoma in that specific location is like extremely rare case. Um, So I had 14 rounds of chemo is about a course of a year. So 14 rounds of chemo, uh, six, wow. uh, six weeks of radiation. And it was either um, chemo and radiation or it was chemo and amputation from the knee down. Um, but my parents obviously wow. made that decision to do the radiation instead, regardless of the side effects that that mm-hmm. had. And I'm 14 years remission. So that worked out for me so far, uh, which is great. That was the right call then. Yes, it was. Um, And then just, you know, the regular stuff you go through during treatment, I had, you know, four procedures between the portacats and the, and the complications that come from chemo and all of that. Um, 21 blood transfusions in that year. A lot, a lot of stuff happened in that year. Yeah. You basically live there (laughs) at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What kind of cancer is Ewing sarcoma and also is it typically a children's cancer I I don't want to say like for sure because I don't from what my understanding it's typically in soft tissues but it can be in bone which is what I had but don't quote me on that <laughs> I'm only starting med <laughs> school so I haven't really learned no worries <laughs> that's okay you know a lot more compared we know to us yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's typically more common in teenage males and in long bones so oh. it's really just a one-off that I had. At the time I was diagnosed with it, my oncologists were trying to find people, other people that had had Ewing sarcoma in the right calcaneus bone. And they, I think they found like two or three people like around the U.S. that they could find that had that. And 
one decided oh to amputate when my parents were deciding, you know, amputation or radiation, how did it turn out for everybody else? Um, I think they had one person that did amputate and one person that didn't amputate and they were both doing fine. And it was just came down to, you know, I was eight mm. years old and, you know, you can't, you can't go back once you amputate, but you know, if radiation didn't work out, then we could have saw, yeah. you know, gone to mm. that option. But luckily, yeah, radiation has its side effects. And of course, every single thing in cancer treatment has its more side effects that predispose you to more things mm. that you have to worry yeah. about. But, you know, I walk on my own two feet every day and that is what I'm thankful for. So mm-hmm. yep. yeah. what a great way to wow. yeah, look at it. Yeah, because from a young age, you wouldn't think that you would have to learn such a hard lesson. Right, and, exactly. Eight years old is yeah. very young to take off a leg that's a lot. so young did yeah. you process what was happening at your age or did you just kind of go through the motions I guess I mean I remember like I remember most of my journey maybe not like little details here and there but I pretty much remember mm-hmm. every single thing I feel like I just grew up so quickly in that process mm-hmm. and I mean, maybe I was yeah. bound. I think I was bound for med school from the start. I knew the name of every chemo. I could read my yeah. blood counts. I when I was admitted. Oh wow, in- you were definitely <laughs> Yeah. When I was admitted, I don't know any of that. When I was admitted into the ER, they'd you know my parents retired and it was always in the middle of the night. And they'd be like, they'd be wheeling me away, like, oh, patient with pneumonia. I'd go, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't have pneumonia. I'm I'm eight years old. I have Ewing sarcoma. I'm here for this. Like I and they would just be like, what? <laughs> how does this kid know? Yeah, how is she What's telling going us? On? So yeah, I just, I knew what was going on. I was very cognizant of everything. And I think I just paid a lot of attention and really, I I definitely remember the entire experience, you know, minus probably some of the emotions my family members probably hid, but I think I saw most yeah. of it. Um, and I also did see some, you know, how it affected everyone around me. And I think I just grew up, it was like a 40 year old and eight year old body by, by week one of it. You know, mm-hmm. when I got diagnosed, yeah. Katrina was supposed to hit uh, where we live in Houston. So I got diagnosed and then they were, everyone was evacuating and we couldn't leave because of, I had just had my, oh, I was my getting goodness. the biopsy done and all of that stuff. Oh, and they were God. like, you guys can't leave. So I remember it being like a very stressful time where I was like, I was diagnosed. I was worried about losing my hair. The hurricane was going to hit. And for luckily for us, Katrina didn't hit Houston. Obviously it devastated Louisiana, but for in that moment, for us, that ended up, you know, being a very good thing because we were already under a lot of yeah. stress and a lot of things going on. And so we were able to go back and forth between the hospital with no, you know, worries. So that was good. Right. Well, that's, yeah, such a stress. That's so scary. <laughs> yes, I know. To think, like, were the hospitals shutting down at all? Like, was that a fear? Because I just know everybody goes into havoc when there's... Right. From my memory, season. I just remember, like it was just kind of like, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Like we have mm-hmm. to stay here. Mm-hmm. We're going right, through so you all, stayed there. Which, okay. Yeah. We stayed in Houston. The doctors were like, you cannot leave. Like you cannot evacuate and go somewhere right. else. We're figuring out what's going on. Cause I had a lot of things building up to my diagnosis. So they were, they needed me to stay in Houston so I could be at the hospital and figure out what was going on. Yeah. I was going to ask, how did you figure it out? Like, how were you diagnosed? It was such a strange lead up so I was diagnosed in the beginning of third grade but this I guess I got symptoms in at the end of second grade I don't know if you guys remember like the field days in elementary school yeah poor um, Simran. I'm like <laughs> second grade like... this is this is my earliest memory of the foot pain was 
I was at mm-hmm. my second grade field day, whatever. We were playing some game where all the kids were running in a circle and the kid behind me is like accidentally kicked my right heel. Like just, we were hopping over something or God knows what we we're doing. And I just immediately fell to the ground, like in the middle of the circle, my, my heel was just throbbing like a, like a hammer hitting it. And I couldn't stand up. And so they, you know, took me to the school nurse, which is obviously, I might right. be, you know, but at the time yeah. they were like, oh, she just has a bruised heel. You know, it'll be fine. Kids. Right. Of course. Like no one expects that. Like, kids, yeah. They're always like, get it all the Tom's, time. Tom's for everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I always just remember like, yeah, all the basic Tom's for literally yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like give her some pain meds, send her home. It'll be fine. Um, Obviously, mm-hmm. it didn't get it did not get better. We went to Disney World that summer, I remember, and the whole plane ride, my foot was throbbing. No medications would help. Um, I ended up being mm-hmm. like having to be in a wheelchair at Disney World, going to the oh. ER in Florida. Like we could not figure oh out. Gosh. I think I spiked a fever. A heel started swelling. It was just a very oh, wow. a lot of things going on in the ER in Florida. Was like okay, you know, go get an MRI and stuff when you're back in Houston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we went and got the MRI, they or we saw a doctor and he was like, I really recommend you get this MRI or whatever. So we went, they first initially thought I had a cyst. And one of the doctors, I don't know what made him think this because like I said, it's so rare to have something mm-hmm. like this there. But he was mm-hmm. like, I think you should go to Texas Children's and get a biopsy, like just in case. Uh, and then they biopsied mm-hmm. it. And then we figured out it was actually Ewing sarcoma. So that is how yeah, we figured thank it out. Thank God, then. whatever his hunch was. Yeah, was exactly. Right. It, it was a very strange yeah. hunch, too. It was not, right. not a normal thing to suspect at the time. Yes. So, yeah, it, it ended up, yeah. um, I went to the cancer center. Um, they diagnosed me. But, but leading up to that, I mm-hmm. I couldn't go to school. I my, couldn't walk. I was, like, crawling to the bathroom. Like, my heel was so swollen. And just, like, if I... If wow. I didn't like just keep it elevated at all time, like it was just pounding like a hammer. That's like what I, the pain I remember and how I can describe yeah. it is just like hitting, like something's right. hitting at it. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. That's terrible. That's and then you said you got how many surgeries on that foot? You got the surgeries? No. So just four procedures in like total. Or- so my first one was the biopsy. Okay. That okay. They gotcha. But gotcha. then, you know, the portacast you have to put in. Oh um, yeah, yeah. My first chemo went terribly. It was I alternated between five and three days in the hospital for each chemo as they rotated between my like five different chemos I was taking. Uh, the first chemo was supposed to be I think you know either three or five days in the hospital. I was in the hospital for the entire month of October. Like <gasps> I got every reaction oh, in the no. book. Halloween for a kiddo. Yeah. Oh, I remember <laughs> that Halloween so clearly. But I because I think I got to go oh. home on Halloween or, or like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I got to go home on Halloween. Um, but I got like pancreatitis. I couldn't open my jaw. It was like a horrible first chemo. They were like, Oh my God, just like anything that could go wrong. Girl? I was totally the patient. And that was the first one. Yeah, and I was totally the patient. So that was like, any reaction like, in the great. book and more. <laughs> like, yeah, you're probably like, great. The yeah. next 13 more yeah. chemos Seriously, I have. 14 is a lot and did it like spread why or is it just a really aggressive cancer like why 14 and that is, everything I believe that is like the standard for Ewing sarcoma it is from my understanding it's one of the okay. cancers that does metastasize um and once it mm. does metastasize it's very severe 
but I was mm-hmm. actually lucky to have it at my in my heel because it was so far away like it wasn't in my pelvis like a lot of yeah. other people where it's close to all your major organs mine was like right so far away in my foot that it was the chances were less likely that it would spread to the rest of my body which was lucky in my sense of the location of it, it was rare but lucky right um, but yeah that's so that, a great way to see it yeah yeah the the first mm-hmm. I remember my dad I couldn't really like trick or treat you know your immune system so when you go home yeah from, like, from the hospital right. but I remember I was candy corn and my dad <laughs> I was a candy corn I got photos That's so cute. Um, he I was attached to we a, need those photos I will send them to you they are funny <laughs> Um, I was attached to a like a nutrition pump bag because I was still the pancreatitis and the, I couldn't really mm. eat and take in nutrients or anything. And my dad, you know, put on it, put on the backpack, and I just like walked beside him. We went to like four houses of people that we knew, like knew what was going on, like yeah. you know, sanitary wise. Um, and you know, got me some candy, and then we came back. But yeah, and I mean, Texas Children's Hospital oh. is like the best place to be if you have to go through this. They make everything right. seem like you're not in a hospital you know p- kids trick-or-treat with their IV poles on the floor like it is really just a magical oh, place it's great. yeah they do the most yeah, they can that's really nice. yeah you don't even feel like you're in a hospital when you're there I, I love wow. going back I hope to eventually oh, you know work there yeah. but and it's a great we're, place that's incredible. weren't you saying Simran about something you you do charity work for is it for Texas children or you were a part of like a foundation organization I remember um, when we yeah, chatted that I've, you help others other kids now yeah I I have like not stopped being in this cancer community since I left which is people either go one way or the yes. other and there's no right or, yeah. there's no right or wrong answer they're both right um, yeah. some people cope with it by staying involved and kind of doing more and some people cope with it by just never seeing again seeing it again and you know wanting to just like shut off that period of their life um, there's no right answer. My, my way was to go back into it. Um, and so I have my annual toy drive at Texas Children's. So I got my high school national honor society, you know, you got to use those kids. They want their service hours. They give me toys. I yeah. them to, <laughs> you know, I catch them at the end of the yep, year. They want uh, resume when pointers. They need, yeah. Right. When they need the volunteer points. And I was like, oh, well, if you donate, I'll give you volunteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally play the system. So oh, I get you know, hundreds of toys every year. And I'm able to go uh, multiple times a year to deliver. We go, the ninth floor is the inpatient floor there. So uh, the kids get whatever they want, how much ever they want, siblings, everyone, there's no question. And then we still have leftovers and we'll go to the outpatient clinic, the 14th floor, and we'll pass out the remainder there. Um, Texas Children's has so many programs for pediatric cancer patients. There's a Periwinkle Foundation that I'm a Camp counselor at Camp Periwinkle. I was a camper for 10 years. Basically, every program that gave something to me, I have just wanted to mm-hmm. kind of do that for someone else. Um, they have Making a Mark. That. It's an art exhibit during Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Um, they have Purple Songs Can Fly, which is a songwriting program for pediatric cancer wow. patients. I was actually the first purple wow. song ever. <laughs> like which is really cool yeah Um, now they have like thousands and thousands of songs but yeah and I was the first kid she ended up being with so there's a song out there wow that's amazing Um, and good for you especially at your age that you had it I can imagine it would be scary to kind of jump in but I think they're yeah I think their programs really helped me do that. Like Mm -hmm. being a camper at Camp Periwinkle where you're going in a week long camp with 
you know, 180 other kids who either have or have had cancer or are a sibling and have mm-hmm. seen it, you're just kind of immersed wow, in I that. that even exists. It's, it's yeah. really the most magical place. If you guys want to get involved, please, you know, let me know. Um, it's, it's really yeah. just the most yeah. magical place because these kids, you know, including myself, we didn't really get a full childhood in the sense of, you know, you just grow up way too quickly. Right. You see things you shouldn't you really see and experience mm-hmm. things you shouldn't feel know things you know you shouldn't know chemotherapy names you should be learning you know like science and math you know <laughs> yeah whatever, whatever you learn you shouldn't yeah. have to know <laughs> how to read your own blood count i can't even read my blood counts now and i'm in med school but i could read yeah. it then. <laughs> you knew it then yeah. i knew it then uh-huh. i was like oh you know my white blood cells are low <laughs> but i wish i could i wish i was as good now as i was then actually <laughs> It'll come. It'll, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I don't know if it's the same thing in those but, but let's talk. I, I let's sure talk. hope so. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> cool that, uh, that you've stayed so in touch with it. And we'll definitely get the name because yeah. Maddie and I, mm-hmm. every time we hear about a new foundation organization, like we just love trying to see yeah, if I we can get that. involved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I wish we had a... I wish they had a young adult. Um, Wait, they, so they have a long-term survivor. So they have many programs. They have Camp Parenkel, which is for kids 7 to 15 for a week in the summer. They have Camp YOLO, which is for teenagers from 13 to 18. On, a, on Yeah, on a, we were YOLO before, you know, Drake's YOLO. YOLO exists. Camp oh, Parenkel. wow. The real, the real You Only Live Once was this camp. Um, Dang. With, seriously, so, with wow. the real meaning. give y'all credit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um but yeah, he really does. it's for teenagers and it's not just cancer it's other things as well um all texas children's hospitals mm. patients and then they have a long-term survivor program and they have retreats and events through that as well so even if you ah. were you know i was a i'm still involved in all of that and it, they just make it so easy for you to stay a big part of that so um yeah it's yeah, great if you guys want to get involved like just let me know <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Definitely absolutely. And anyone who's hearing this, if you're interested, you need to, you need to hop on this because it seems like an amazing Yeah, yeah check, way out, to check be. out what they do. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's our version of Disney World. That's what we always say. It's this, everyone else, every other kid, you know, loves Disney World. It's the most magical place on earth for us. That is Camp Periwinkle. So <laughs> that is just how it is. But that's also pretty spectacular that you guys can make it feel like Disney when it is such a hard topic. Totally. No, you'll yeah. see, you know, you'll see a, a one-legged camper on the highest yeah. high rope course on two strings and then zip lining down. Yeah. Like there really is no limit and they make you feel that, you know, in real life, they'll tell yeah, you, you know, right. you have one that you can't do that. You have cancer, you can't do this. Mm-hmm. And you go there and you're like, no, right. you can do, you know, you got, 24 7 oncologists at camp you know you're not you're if, if something oh, goes wrong wow. the, count, cool. yeah, the counselors I mean, are doctors and nurses and people from texas Jones that you know wow uh, so this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> how does no one know about this i know i feel very that's amazing <laughs> well yeah i'm really putting it out there so know. check it out for sure oh my gosh wow i just like love that that exists because i feel like there's no you guys can be like, counselors with me, me. Page. you guys can be camp counselors oh my god we love would love to. to. We would absolutely yeah. love to. You've All right, Perry Winkle, if you're hearing this, 
you know, get these two. We're in. in. We're in. We're in. Put us in. We're sold. Um, Yeah, no, that just like sounds like such an amazing experience. And I too, I feel like that would completely change. I mean, anyone's perspective. I went in very shy, bald, chubby, you know, from treatment and all the side effects. And just even the people that have known me for all these years, they've seen that transition with every year at camp. And I think a huge part of it is just being surrounded by other kids, you know, that understand what you're going through because even an adult that's had cancer can't understand what a child that's had cancer is like it they're both equally bad and terrible and have their own effects in in different ways but um yeah it's just not comparable it's just such a completely different experience that it's nice to be in that yeah that's actually such a good point that you bring up because I remember when when I have talked to older cancer patients they're the things that they're upset about are so different but yeah in their shoes that is so crappy but then you're like like for instance when they're going back their hair when they have to go bald like I remember hearing like but it comes back like not like my black hair it's white hair all on the top of my hair because I'm older and it just makes me look like I'm 70 not what my real age is and I was like, but it not, I said, but, but I was like, yeah, for a young adult and kids though, you're like, wait, I didn't think I would lose it right now. Like, right. It's, yeah. it's so different. I remember like when they told me I was going to lose my hair, you know, as an eight year old girl, I go to school, everyone has hair, you yeah, know, you don't want to, that yeah. was kind of like, yeah, I have cancer, but I'm going to lose my hair. Like, what do you mean? Um, and then oh, yeah, I remember that's... my parents, you know, offering, they're like, we'll shave our heads. And I was like, absolutely not. We are not all going bald. Like, yeah. we, only if one of us yeah. has to go yeah. bald, we are seriously not just going to be a family uh, of bald people right now. Bald people. Like, I, I, know. I will do so it for sweet. all of us. Yeah, it was the cutest But yeah, that thing. is good to offer. It, it was the cutest. It was very good to offer. Cutest offer. But no, like, the three of us are not just walking in a wall. Like, that's yeah. not. But no. So I'm sure they were relieved. Yeah, they are probably like, oh, True. So, no. <laughs> so true my dad's already bald so um it worked out for us but, but <laughs> like, like I'm one member of the family going back to yeah. school it was definitely you know I went back bald and I mean even going through it you whenever I could go out and whatever people stare and you and you notice and you get kind of self-conscious yeah. about your appearance uh, you know those are very like yeah. formative years about your appearance yes. and stuff so you do, you do notice that. Um, and that does have some effect. But I remember just like going back to fourth grade. So third grade for me was homeschooled. And then I went back fourth grade when I was all cleared. And just like, you know, kids don't get it. So some some of them, it's innocent. Like, why are you bald? But they ask it like that. And mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, yeah, how? Right. And you're like a 40 year old now. And you're like, how am I gonna explain to this child? Yeah, what I just <laughs> yeah, thought. Like, so you know, you're like, it's crazy. I'm at recess. And kids that's are asking, so you know, true. I'm like, how old oh, could I explain yeah. you? want to play on the swings also? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're <laughs> like, right, it's like, how would I even start that is to such a good explain point. to you why? Like, do explain. you know what chemo is? I doubt you know what chemo is. Like, how? No, yeah, <laughs> definitely true. not. But I remember, like, um, also, yeah, it's like, the can- even saying, like, I have cancer, or I had cancer to a kid is like, I feel like it's, you know, you don't want to be, like, out of place when you're growing up. Yeah. Like, you don't want right, to be, like, exactly. 
And you're yeah. not on their level at that point. No, you're not. And I remember yeah. um, this is probably one of my most memorable moments of going back to school. And let me like I had a great experience and I'm not trying to, you know, say it was all bad. But this one experience yeah. was I remember leaving to go to the bathroom and I always wore knitted hats. Like there's no hats at school, but they gave me an exception because my grandma knitted yeah. me hats and I was bald. So they gave me the exception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um, deserve one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They're like, fine. They're like, cancer. They yeah. have to wear hats. <laughs> but I remember going to the bathroom and coming back in and this girl had, you know, she had drawn a ball girl on the chalkboard and had everyone kind of laughing at it. And I remember walking in and being like, okay, well, you know, this is just how it goes. And it's not something that like, yeah, it hurt and sucked, but kids are just like mean and they don't fully comprehend. They're so so Like some are innocent and some are not. And you just kind of are like, whatever move on <laughs> it's yeah really but you know are, in that right. moment being nine years old it it does feel like oh my god even though I am mature it's um, kind of like totally. that that battle of like I am mature and I feel like I should be mature but I'm also not supposed to be this mature yet so yeah, why you're like, not supposed yeah. to be like okay it's their problem yeah they exactly be immature right and, that's something like, you learn in like college right. <laughs> like, normally yeah yeah even in college I was I'm like, still yeah, learning yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah. even now I'm like even now Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like such a struggle to grow up knowing that you like have a different outlook and you and you feel like you should think and act a certain way because of like what you've seen and yeah. and mm-hmm. what your perspective on life is and you don't want to get caught up in petty stuff and you don't want to you know you just want to be the best friend you can be and the best person you can be and all that stuff but then you're just kind of when you get caught up in this stuff you feel guilty almost you're like I should yes. I, I should not be totally and I feel like you yeah. guys probably feel that way too because that's something that is kind of coincides yeah. in the same you know no matter what age you're for at sure. yeah for sure yeah yeah I felt the same way like when I got back I was like so self-conscious I don't know if people actually were looking at me but I was so self-conscious when I had like a boy cut and like I don't know just like felt like people were like talking about me or whatever and then also it was that same thought of like well, I shouldn't care because I just went through this like crazy experience and who cares about hair mm-hmm. and like, right. it, it's like, weird. it's like survivor's guilt. But, it's just weird. Yeah, yeah like is. people have very odd way of commenting. I remember the one comment I'll just bring up. I don't oh, know. Was it, was I've done it? it a few times and I was like, they're, they're like, so are you growing your hair back? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I had basically a, telling yeah. me that my hairstyle right. is awkward right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's called this thing where you actually lose all your hair and then it comes back however it decides to come back and you can't. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope you said I had cancer, Paige, and made them feel bad. And, and these are people that know this is sadder part. These oh, they people oh, that knew. They're like, they, so you should you should really grow out your hair again. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, trying. <laughs> I am. Tra- yeah, I'm taking every yeah. in the market right now. Doing oil massages, <laughs> scalp massages. Yeah. Um, you can do my damn scalp massages and <laughs> you try to help the process. Yeah. I remember my first chemo, I got it. And then I woke up and slowly just chunks, you know, started. First, my parents were like, do you want us to, you know, just shave it off? And I was like, no, I was thought, I thought the razor was going to hurt me. I don't, I'm eight years old. I'm like, no, it's going to hurt my head. I don't want to do that. And so they're like, okay, well, let's cut your hair short. So they kind of cut it to like, you know, my little chin level just to make, it was a cute little bob because it was falling out and it was everywhere. And then I remember after a while, it just looked so splotchy and it was just falling out. And I was like, give me a comb. 
And I just combed right. out. I combed out my hair. Wow. I just sat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't just take the shave because that would have given me thicker hair. Probably. Oh my god. Yeah. You just climbed it out. I combed <laughs> it out. I combed <sighs> out my hair, and it came out like that's, chunks. That's actually so creative. Like like creative for an eight-year-old or nine-year-old like <laughs> to think that instead of shaving yeah that it's gonna just because that's true it probably easily did but well right. good good for you for coming up with another alternative <laughs> so strange I look back and I'm like you are so stupid because my hair before chemo was like black and thick and then after chemo, it came back like brown and thin. And I'm like, maybe if you had shaved your head, it would have came no, back. No, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm you sure didn't do it no to difference. yourself, Simran. You didn't do it. Yeah. We promise. <laughs> I promise. Sure. I, they told me that my hair was going to come back like thick and curly. I'm telling you, everything they thought, I just did the opposite. Like they said thick and curly. <laughs> I got thin and brown, like and straight. It was just so strange, but it's fine. Yeah. It's easy to manage. You're like, I'm an anomaly. <laughs> but yeah. But everything it come back and you have gorgeous hair. But oh, I, I that, it's funny what you hear people say. I agree. Like, yeah. I can I touch your hair? Everybody would wait till it actually yeah. came back to see what it looked like, rather than like you getting all excited that you're gonna have it a different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like when you have that peach so, fuzz and everyone wants to touch your head and you're like, yeah. okay, did per- oh my God, the when did personal bad? Like, you, I don't go up to you and just pet you. Like, why is everyone yeah, petting me? So true, actually. <laughs> everyone is just petting me no matter where I go. Yeah. Yeah, that really is really true. I'm not in the zoo. At least now people. during COVID, I guess. Yeah. You really are in the no zoo sometimes. Problem. Really, you do feel like you're the zoo animal. Because you go back to school, or at least in my case, like, I was the cancer girl. I was the girl everyone knew was sick and that sent the, right. and like sent cards. and Like, you know, everyone knew who I was because I was cancer girl. And that yeah. carried on. As mm-hmm. you know, in high school and stuff, I did really for life. I had my team shirts. Everyone at school knew that, like, that was something I advocated for and you. why. And you know, just people are like, oh, the cancer girl. I'm like, okay, well, you don't really call people that, but yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. What yeah, that. yeah. People tend to exaggerate when you try and uh, make it a very proud thing. I I've seen it become that way too, where like you can become very enthusiastic about cancer and trying to cheer it on and do these relays and marathons and stuff. But then people see you more as that (laughs) person. Yeah, for sure. I'm doing a good thing here, you guys. Right, yeah, it's a good thing. Okay, you can join. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, It's so strange how, like, most other people would not, like see it this way and only people who have like been on that side feel like people are you know looking at you that way or someone else wouldn't see that and be like oh they're just being supportive or they're just being like they just don't know how to address it any better and you're like okay but you're not really seeing like what I'm hearing or what I'm perceiving it as I don't know it's just like so strange how your perception of every sentence is just so different and then people perceive mm-hmm. your different perception as like you're overdramatic or you're too emotional yeah. or you're triggered too easily. It's like, I'm not, I'm just, there are a few things that, yeah. mm-hmm. that really do, you know, I, that I think are important or that maybe upset me or that I just have to learn to, you know, get over or whatever. But 
other people right. that don't have that whole entire background experience won't really get that. So they're just like, oh, you're crazy. Like, okay, fine. I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're, they're yeah. going to be insensitive to it because they just, it's hard to get. Even I will admit, like, I, before getting cancer, I was like, very, I, I was probably one of those people in terms of not oh, knowing same, what yeah. to, how to deal with it. What to say or, yeah, I always felt like so awkward. Which is funny because now I, I hate when people are awkward about it. I'm like, just let's just oh, talk same. about it. I'm like, like it's normal. Just, yeah. Yeah. I wear like our cancer actually fucking sucks masks like out. Oh my God, I public. want one. Oh. Um, I definitely need to get one of those masks though. I would love one. Yeah. <laughs> get a mask. Um, I'll... All proceeds go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Oh, I will definitely, I will definitely order one. You can, you can get them at BraveGowns.com. Okay, send um, me the link. I'll order one. I'm so curious. Like, I'm always curious about this with people that had childhood cancer. Like, do you talk to your parents and or siblings now about it, or is it like too hard? Because like, I don't even really talk about it like with my parents. Cause I'm like scared. Yeah. So it is a lot. It's with my family. It was like a very, um, like after it finished, like, let's not talk about it. Right. Yeah. It disappeared mm-hmm. kind of a situation, but I yeah. think it, it was very interesting for us because it affects everyone differently because of the stage of life they're yes. in. And right. it's like hard to connect on that level. So, you know, for my parents, it was like, okay, they were maybe in their forties then. And it was like a one year of like, they just wanted to kind of like block out. Um, for my sister, she was like a teenager. So, you know, the siblings are always really neglected. She had to figure out her own stuff, like mm. how to get to school and how to get to her volleyball games and kind of not really having, my grandma mm-hmm. came from India for a year. So we did have mm-hmm. that third adult, but still, yeah, it's just well, very different trying to adjust yeah. and and then there's me who's like you can't really toss out if out of eight years you can't toss out one you know now this has defined right the rest of the next you know 80 or whatever so that was very difficult I think everyone was on a different page Mm -hmm. and then for me I don't like blame my parents for talking about it at all I completely understand yeah the way that I got through it yeah yeah, it's it's, being involved imagine I can't imagine being a parent because when I go back to the cancer center and I see the kids yeah. like I feel you know uh, now that I'm I on know. the other side yeah. I feel and I can't imagine you know being a parent like when I do talk to those parents I totally get it and no one should have to talk about it but as the years have gone on we have gotten better about it it's still very touchy but yeah um, when my tenure I would always see my other you know cancer survivor friends and they'd get like a cake for their five-year mission or whatever and we just like never yes oh I'm on um, that with you Simran and I was it's always so like, oh, okay I would see other people celebrating I'm like wait why can't we this is actually a good thing like why can't right. we mm-hmm. celebrate it we don't have to you know think of it as this horrible thing and so when my 10-year mission hit which was um what 2016 mm-hmm. I was in college and I was like I'm throwing a massive I love party. it like Good. this is it we're doing yeah that's like awesome. we're we're start we're starting to celebrate we're doing it so I threw this like boat party on Lake Travis and it was so much fun oh, and then I got a tat I I got my Roman numeral it's like a little tattoo it says my last day of chemo because I don't really know my full remission because oh, it's not like I really no like one ever that. told me you know we didn't yeah but I have I used to write diaries when I was sick. And so in one of the diaries, like this was after treatment, maybe a couple of years after I found 
like a page that I had written on. It was like July 17, 2006. And I was like, last chemo ever. Aww. And I know that just really stuck out to me. And I was like, I want that. I, I want that yeah. too. So that's what I consider my remission day. It's really my last day of chemo. Your cancerversary. Same, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> same has a different cancerversary. Because yeah, mine like yours, Simran, is also the last day I finished chemo. Like that marks it for me. Maddie, yeah. I think in another episode, was it your port removal or what was it for you? No, what I think. Was, yeah. Um. Last day of chemo, but I think end of radiation, which was mm. like January seventeenth or something. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, because yeah. like there technically is a time where you're like declared in remission. Mm-hmm. You know, right. even though you finish chemo, you're not in remission yet. But I don't really, I don't know if anyone knows that day. I think like yeah, and it's I don't know if it's in my records somewhere. But for me, July seventeenth was like the day you that was the last great. dose of chemo I had. That was when, you know, I finally got the sign. At Texas, yeah. they had a sign mm-hmm. on your door and all the nurses and doctors signed it. I was like, oh, that, yeah. you walk around the floor and you see other people getting that sign. Yeah, like, I, I want that sign. Like, I can't oh, wait till it's my last That's and so cute. I, I wish so... they, like, did stuff for adults like that. Yes. <laughs> like, I didn't even well, get to that... ring the bell. What? Which I'm so sad about. I didn't get to ring the bell. I didn't get to ring the bell. You didn't either? Oh, we didn't have a bell, which is so sad. We didn't have Sorry. a bell back then. 2000, 2006, there was no bell ringing yeah. yet. <laughs> Now there's back a, in now the it's a big thing because yeah. yeah, back that in the day, so yeah. bell. I think those milestones are so important to make you feel like you're absolutely you're finally over it. So if you want to keep yeah. celebrating, Simon, yeah. um, I've still not so celebrated really either. So I will do a celebration with you next one. Absolutely. Should we just all celebrate? Oh my, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yes. yes, definitely. It calls for drinks. It's absolutely it necessary. Does. Yeah, more than 100% one. it does. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Well, no next fault. year, next year is my 15th wow. year. So there will be oh, wow. one. If oh, Corona's over, right. you know, if COVID lets me have a party, I will have a party. I, I love <laughs> that you did a boat party, so. though. Good for you. I know. How I love cool that. that. Yeah. And you know at UT, those oh, boat yeah. parties are like a big hit. Not I, yeah. just any <laughs> party. <laughs> That's like the party. Yeah, those are so fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. Like party bus to Lake Travis. It was a whole day. It was oh it was gosh, so much fun. I and I was like, that. everyone, mark your calendar for five years from now because it's going to be another big thing. Again. I just don't know what. Uh, I think... Yeah, because otherwise, if you don't celebrate it, I think that you just are left with only the sadness of it. Yeah. And it right. is an exciting thing. It's a new, it's another birthday. It's like another. It's it's a better birthday. Yeah, yeah. it's a rebirth. Yeah. So didn't we have um a topic a few episodes ago, Maddie, about how yeah. she would have plans for the party at the end? Yeah, Jeanette. Jeanette. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The cancer coach. Yeah. Yeah. She helps. So she is a cancer coach and she like coaches people through the whole process. Oh, wow. Um, I yeah, didn't know that existed. I know. That's what we right? said too. We're like, uh, we should have. Yeah. And she's amazing. Um, and yeah. So she like has people say like the day that they want to celebrate and what they're going to do and like helps them plan it. Cause yeah, I think that's such an important mm-hmm. thing too. It, it ends on like yeah. a good note, a positive note. Absolutely. Definitely. And also, I, so whenever I go for the toy drive in the hospital, in the outpatient clinic at Texas, they have the bell now. And I'm always like, dang it, I never got to ring it. Yeah. Yeah. But I see these families and it's so cute. The last time I was there, there was this family and the, the girl had a, like a princess dress on and all of her family had t-shirts. 
that were custom made with her face. It was like, the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, yeah, we all did, it. like, a little tunnel for her. Oh, my gosh. And then she went and rang her bell, and they had cake cutting. Oh, my god! It was, like, really, like, a birthday at the hospital. It was very intense. And I was like, wow, this is, like, how I you should like, do it. This is that. exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. I yeah, think or... everyone deserves that at the end. Like, okay, Paige, I'll get a little bell for us. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, Madison, did you yeah, get Madison, the bell? Yeah, Madison, I didn't get the bell. <laughs> I didn't yeah. get the bell. Yeah, so... Madison, you yeah. get the okay. Bell. Me and Madison will ring a bell. <laughs> we'll get a bell. Okay, for you. yeah. Thank I'll you. Bring <laughs> I definitely need to. Yeah, I want the princess <laughs> dress also. Yeah, we'll all be different princesses. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> oh, can't wait. I love can't it. Wait, five year reunion. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so, do you think that you're? So I actually don't know what like type of, or I don't know if you know what type of doctor you want to be. Do you think that your experience? kind of like influence that decision at all yeah I've for the past 14 years I've said pediatric oncology is where I'm right as of right now that's, that's amazing. still oh I still want to be a pediatric oncologist I feel like there's you know you see the kids next door and maybe they didn't make it or you know other mm-hmm. people or people I went to camp with my campers they pass away at such a young age and you're kind of just like what determines like who yeah you know, that easily could have been somebody else or me Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like what why did I survive what am I doing here what what can I do now and that's how I've always looked at it and I think pediatric oncology is the way that I've kind of found my calling I think having a pediatric oncologist that has been through cancer, there's not that Mm -hmm. many of them you know no that's truly to be able to have that connection with the patient and I still you know am in regular contact with my pediatric oncologist and that bond just never Mm -hmm. leaves and so yeah I definitely want to be that for someone else but even on an even deeper level that okay I even get I even understand the treatment aspect too been there you know yeah seen it and I can at least hope to help someone or you know at least have someone be able to talk about it more kind of normalize that conversation and not make it that awkward can we talk about it Mm -hmm. what are the limits you know yeah being there for the patient but not overstepping kind of like somewhere in the middle I hope to find that balance with my patients and and make an impact and you will you absolutely will that's (laughs) yeah it's like and like to be able to empathize with them is such a unique you know kind of because you're right yeah you're right like most doctors haven't most oncologists haven't experienced right and I'll let you know if anything changes but keep us for sure peds because my my god I cannot deal with adults no offense (laughs) you guys (laughs) but but pediatric cancer patients are just it truly is one of the happiest floors in the hospital even though it is technically one of the saddest it's like you so magical feel, yeah it's it is like the most magical just the resilience of kids you know they got their iv pulled mm-hmm. they're running around they're smiling they you know they're getting called for their labs and their scans and just like so much so many things they just adapt mm-hmm. so quickly to it right and they don't they don't have these like outside obligations to the world they don't have jobs and other things going on that they are like depressed about I mean sometimes you know teenagers and stuff do go into you know that it's really hard at all ages but I I don't know kids just have like a certain resilience that I really really admire they don't complain and if they do I'm like you deserve to complain yeah you actually you know for it you're a kid going through cancer treatment go for it complain you can cry it's okay like it's you know, anything you do, I don't feel like it's too much because right. it's such a shitty thing to go through. So, 
yeah I think also just I can't I can relate just like we were saying earlier the experiences between pediatric and adult cancer are so different that yeah. I wouldn't be able to relate as much to an adult as I would to what a kid's going yeah. through. But right. like I said, all subject to change. That's currently what I have experienced and where I think I'm headed. But I've got a long ways to go. Long, long ways to go. <laughs> I think you are going to make <laughs> well, it good in for that you. That's exact incredible. spot that you're keeping your eye on, though. Like you just give the, off that it ha- immense amount of totally. passion for this specific field or specialty. Right. <laughs> Like that, I, I think that you're going to carry it through. But if you change too, that's cool too, no pressure. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've always like, oh my God, what if I change? Like I've planned mm-hmm. this for so long, like I can't change. But, um, you know, I absolutely can. It's just, I don't, when I start my rotations, I'll obviously see if there's another thing that right. interests me. But I think there's something about pediatric oncology that just always pulls me back. Yep. Into, yeah. I know I'm only, I'm only an M1, but it, it, I feel like it will continue to just, keep pulling me back so yeah yeah we'll see how many (laughs) how many years do you have or how many i don't know do they want to know right now probably not um right now i'm in my first year of medical school so med school is four years and then if i do pediatric oncology it's six years after that so typically it's a three-year pediatric residency and then a three-year oncology fellowship there's any pedons out there and I'm saying it wrong then (laughs) correct me but yeah it's six years post-med school but hey it's 10 10 years from now it's it's what you love (laughs) so it'll be worth it oh my god yeah yeah. there's no yeah and you know what people I feel like people make too much of a big deal about how long it's gonna take in the sense of like any career you want to do if you want to by the time you get to the point you want to be you're going to be in your 30s or 40s like no one's at the peak of their career or where they want to be in their 20s anyway and people change so so much yeah it's a lot of work and we have to start over so much no like yeah there's no timeline on you know obviously it's a lot of studying and a lot of school and there's that but it's also after med school you're in the hospital yeah you're You're, starting you're a doctor after med school you're you're starting to work you're not it's you're still resident your hours you know really rough but it's all worth it in the end and I think there's yeah something there's something so different about you know this field that you can't really put it in a monetary value or in a you yeah, can't it's totally. priceless you know there's there's something about it so and and the yeah, fact that you've volunteered for, for you. so long as well like I yeah. feel like <laughs> you don't see it in like you're saying the monetary way or how long does it need to be? You're just like, I get to be with these kids and help. Yeah, no, if you're looking to make money, do yeah, not go into right? medicine. That's... There are other there are other avenues to make. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're not so passionate about something, don't do it to yourself. You know, you have to someday yeah, you're just like, like you have Oh to my God. It. Yeah, you have to love it to get through it I feel like yeah. that is like what pushes me through what motivates me is you know Damn. like everything I've been through the friends that I've lost the campers I've lost mm-hmm. is, it, that's just either it is really sad but I feel like I just use them as like a way like a, to mm-hmm. motivate myself and yeah. you know if there is if there is like a tough day and you're like why am I sitting here studying when I could be you know working a job and actually making money and not yeah. in debt and you know all the stuff that comes with med school and then I just sit there and I think, I'm like, well, that's why. Yeah, like, there's I know a huge exactly reason why. why. And there's, there's no question. Yeah, there's right. never any question about it. And so, yeah, that's, you have to be motivated to be in this field. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> and I'm only, yeah. I'm only two months know, into med school. I know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I constantly hear that about med school and the that route. So uh, 
Yeah, I feel like if you yeah. aren't passionate about it, like mm-hmm. there's no way. There's other ways to make money. Don't do it for that. Yeah. If you and you're not gonna be yeah, a good, good doctor. I mean, you're not gonna be a good doctor if you're there for the mm-hmm. money because totally you have to be there for because you yeah. want to help patients and because you want right. to make a difference. There is there's no other way to motivate yourself in this. I think personally, I think opinion. you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. And you've shared so yeah. much with us today. We are so happy you joined and gave us oh, a whole new perspective because we haven't had anyone yet talk about yeah. children going through cancer and what that's right. like yeah. um, or I, I don't I can't re- we might have had one or two guests but like it's we had yeah yes. we had one we, but, yeah we've um, had one or two but we don't get it often I think we're first. so yeah is- yeah well, and then Paige, there was something actually a big thing we had in common. And if you're comfortable yeah. talking about this is having to go through IVF. And Madison, did you also experience that or? Mm-hmm. That... Okay, so no. I, I know Paige and I share that in common, just having to deal with the side effects as like a mm-hmm. young adult woman, right. yeah. which is a whole nother aspect of just showing how no matter what age you have it at, it never goes away. Like your cancer can go away. Yeah. But you'll never get to let go of that experience no matter and there's other side effects of course yeah but I know recently we both did that and it's just you know okay when am when am I gonna not have to worry about side effects yes treatments on we were saying when they tell you that when you're doing IVF oh you have a higher chance of getting like breast cancer now or this type of cancer and you're like well I'm doing yeah because because I had cancer so yeah, it's just like your one side effect yeah. treatment makes you have another treatment that causes more side effects, and it's a never-ending cycle. Of I know, just, it really is. You know what else? I know. <laughs> what else I know. you got for me? I know. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's so true. Yeah, and we did have a deep, a deep dive into into all of that, and it's a huge thing. I remember our first episode. We also talked about freezing eggs, and um, it's something that a lot of people don't think of that women have to do right. in dealing with cancer. I think I, I never knew personally. I was like, huh, this could mm-hmm. affect. Yeah. Like, either. And did you do it before treatment yeah. page since you were, I older, did. Obviously. Yep. Yep. I did. I, I know okay. you did it recently, but, um, I think at, obviously at your age, there's nothing that's right. Yeah, there's, there's nothing, nothing to save at age. Say. There's nothing <laughs> right. to talk about yeah. at your stage, <laughs> yeah. but that's great that they, brought it up now for you just in case yeah I'm curious did your doctor say like you should do it it, or it was actually such an interesting journey to get to my Mm -hmm. discovery I needed to freeze my eggs so I had a like five different chemos and some of them were known to be toxic to you know your fertility and stuff and so I go for my annual checkups every year and we you know we check everything out but when I was 19 ish I started really noticing symptoms that were definitely not for my age group, you know, um, Mm. like premenopausal type Mm -hmm. symptoms. And I just knew I'm fortunate that I was kind of educated enough to know and Mm. to keep an eye on this, because there are a lot of people that don't know that or don't really think about it. Um, And so whenever I noticed these things, I was like, Oh, it's the key. I know something's wrong, you know? Yeah. And I I felt Mm -hmm. it, I knew it. And I went to a lot of gynos and I was like something's wrong something's wrong I've had these chemos you know hormone levels right. are off something's got to be off and yeah everyone was kind of like no it can't be that like no no 
And I was like, all right, if no one's gonna look at me, I was like, I might, I went to my yearly checkup at Texas Children's at the long-term survival clinic. I was like, check them all. I was like, check all the female hormone levels. I know yeah. something's off. Yeah. And between the last time they had checked, I think it was like the year before or something, I had dropped like 70% mm-hmm. all my hormone levels. And so then we, you know, ran tests and I kind of came out in the, like, there's no definitive answer, but in the hormone range that kind of determines how many eggs you, it's like the mm-hmm. indication of it. I was sitting mm-hmm. at like late thirties, early forties at wow. age 20. And so it's just oh, something okay. to, yeah, I could totally be fine. Mm-hmm. There's, there's still a chance that I'm perfectly fine. And, but we just like, you don't really know. I th- we think chemo affected quantity for sure. It could have affected mm-hmm. quality as well. You know, there's really yeah. no way to tell until you do IVF and see if your eggs are, you know, being able to be fertilized and become children. Mm-hmm. And that's another yeah. risk, yeah. you know, you have to take, it's not a cheap, it's not no. a cheap option. Um, yeah. Very fortunate to have been able to even do that because a lot of people, mm-hmm. that's not even an option for them. Um, but yeah, after I went to Texas, I went to the survivor clinic and they kind of know right. what they're looking for as well. They were able mm-hmm. to refer me to the fertility clinic at Baylor and, and we got it sorted out the next year. But it was, I never thought at 2021, I'd be thinking of, okay, if I, I need to freeze my eggs before I go to med school, because I have 10 years to go from now. And I definitely don't want kids until I'm done with that. Yeah, so, that's so true. You know, yeah, it's well, crazy. Yeah, that's good to think about for sure. I just got, I'm having like hormone, weird hormone things too. Um, also like for sure side effects, I think from chemo. So I just got mine, like my blood work, but I haven't yeah. gotten the results Thank back. I'm getting the next week. So I'm curious. Well, fingers, yeah. fingers crossed for you. I hope, I hope I know, it's all well. You. And if not, you can talk to us, you know, we, we know. So you've got a team here. (laughs) I know. Thank you. I just got a scan. So like, I'm not worried about any of that. Yeah. yeah, But like the hormone thing is weird for especially women. Cause I think our hormones get like jacked up without any of this anyway. Right. Exactly. Just (laughs) Just like it all. Right. Women's health is already so complicated and so complex. It's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. To, to add potential effects mm-hmm. of all these medications, you know, it's just, Even, yeah. And then no one really knows yet, you know, ke- they don't really fully know right. the effects of yeah, all these chemos. They're kind of still part. collecting data right. on that's all of them, you know? Part. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I feel like there's like, there's <laughs> new ones happening all the time. It's like not enough yeah. time to see long-term side effects. Terrifying. And we're just waiting. Oh, we're for sure part of the was, data. I'm like, no one tell me. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't want to know. No, no. Take it day yeah. by day and it'll, it'll all be fine. <laughs> the motto. Yeah. The motto here on exactly. Cancel actually fucking sucks. <laughs> Go. Because, you know, we can yeah, yeah. take it day by day. Because if you keep, if we can't ever just carry on with our normal you know, day to day, if we're constantly, yeah. Yeah. there are yeah. scares yeah. and, you know, you're kind of like, even with COVID, it's like, where is my immune system? Yeah. I don't really know yeah. if I'm, uh, you know, a, a regular 23-year-old or if I'm affected by chemo 23-year-old. Yeah. You don't really know until yeah. things happen. And so it's just things that we think about more than yeah. what we usually uh-huh. do. There's more thoughts uh, that so, go behind mm-hmm. it for sure. And any any yeah. doctor appointment you go to, you're like, this hurts. They're like, x-ray, yeah. MRI. Like, that happened to me blood today. Work. <laughs> it's like, how many tests? Like, it's like, no, I just have a... Yeah. Oh, really? I'm freaking out. I have one Did like, you have next one? week. Because of oh the nausea. God. They're like, what if it's just something go to, like, close your eyes. that's putting pressure on your brain and it's causing the nausea? And I'm like, don't 
Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. I will be fine. Maybe it's not um, the case. I'm sure it'll be fine. Keep us, keep us updated. Like, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, for don't sure. Tell yeah. me that. No thanks. So, but yeah, keep us updated. Yeah. <laughs> Next week. Okay. Keep us updated. I yeah, will. I will. Please let us guys. But no, it's it's so true. But send send goodbye to it. But you're right. Anything like small, it's like yeah. let's do a full damn checkup, like for a few weeks, and then. Will tell you that it's just like a rash on your leg, and you need some moisturizer. Yeah, yeah. literally, it could be like yeah. a bug bite, and they're like, "Hmm, let's do an X-ray. Yeah. Make sure it's not." And you're like, "No, I think it's just fine, to be but... sure." Like, yeah, well, but with your history, history. yeah, we just have to history. be sure with your history. The famous <laughs> line that means just say it. <laughs> Cancer. Oh, it's been awesome having you, Simran. Please. Keep us updated on your future uh, parties to come. And we'd love oh, to be absolutely. a party. Yeah. You guys Seriously. are the first to know about the 15-year party. We'd love to be a party. <laughs> oh, yes. We need to be invited. It was so nice uh, to meet you guys, obviously, virtually. But hopefully one day soon. Definitely. Come to D.C. or yeah, when I'm totally. When we can move yeah. and get around, we'll, we'll be doing Cancer Sucks from different locations. For that sure. That will be awesome. <laughs> Well, you guys are awesome for so doing much, this Simran. and starting this podcast. I think it's awesome, oh. and it really gets people's Thanks. voice and stories out Thank there. Thank you. It's great. Keep up the good work. Thank yeah. you. Hearing your story Thank was you amazing. Thank so much. And keep in touch. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you're you. incredible. You guys are nice too, meeting so. you. Nice to meet you guys. Have a good Thank night. Thank you. So nice meeting you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually go through. Each week, myself, Paige Gill, and my co-host, Madison Pollock, sit down with fellow cancer survivors to tell our stories. Keep up to date with our guests and new episodes on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast, and tune in every Monday to hear our stories.